This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press. On this episode, Maria is joined by a special panel to celebrate Young Readers' Day and World Peace Day. This audio comes from a virtual conference that was originally recorded on November 17th. Now, here's your host. All right, well, welcome. We have classrooms joining in and people will be coming in usually for the first 10 minutes. My name is Maria Desmondi and I am a children's book publisher. You can see I have a lot of books behind me. I do love books. And here at Cardinal Rule Press, one of the things that we believe in is really connecting with our communities and classrooms. And so we like to bring together authors from many different publishing companies to talk about specific themes. And so today what we're doing is we're celebrating World Peace Day and we're really talking about books that have an element of peace in them. And so we have uh, four panelists with us today and I believe our fourth panelist will be tuning in in a little while now. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it off and remove the spotlight from myself, and I'm going to ask each of our panelists to introduce themselves, tell us where you're tuning in from, and a little bit about the books you have written. Claire Nolan, why don't you begin? Okay, we will start. Hello. Um, I'm Claire Noland. I am coming to you from Central California, and I am actually published with Cardinal Rule Press. I have back here, Evie's Field Day, which is about um, the little girl who likes to win. And I've also written, um, I'm very interested in early literacy. So my books tend to be on the younger side. I'm so sorry, my dog is barking back there. I'll have to figure that out. <laughs> but <okay>. um, <laughs> anyway, I, and I write for magazines and uh, easy readers and things like that. And I, I was a librarian and, a children's librarian and a classroom teacher and reading specialist and now an author. So my life is pretty much revolved around children and books. Excellent. Did you tell them you're tuning in from California? Yes, Central California. Okay, excellent. All right, Melissa, I'll have you go next. Wonderful. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy and honored to be here to help celebrate World Peace Day. I'm the author of Planting Friendship, Peace, Salam, Shalom, and it's co-authored with Callie Miller and Shireen Rahman, and it's illustrated beautifully by the amazing artist Kate Talbot. And this was published by Clear Fork Publishing in October of 2021, so just really recently. And thank you. It was a joy to collaborate on this project, and the book highlights themes of friendship, cooperation, and peace. And I'm also the author of Sadie Shabbat Stories, and that uh, was illustrated by talented artist Lisa Goldberg, also published by Clear Fork in 2020. And I wrote this story based on my family's history, and it includes stories about the hardships of wartime and the blessings of arriving as an immigrant to the United States. And the main theme of the book is really being proud of your unique heritage and always telling your special stories. So I'm active in many online writing groups and critique groups, and I'm a member of the Jewish Book Council's Literary Society. And in other chapters of my life, I've worked as a lawyer, a legal writing instructor, and a freelance writer and editor. And I live in New York City with my family and my dog. So my dog may bark and can say hi to your dog too, Claire. <laughs> And I have two animals in the room with me. So you know what? It's all good. It's all good. Thank you so much, Melissa. Let's go ahead and have Simon introduce himself. 
Hi everyone, thanks so much for having me. Um, yes, my name's Simon Phillip, um, and you might be able to tell from my strange accent that I'm not actually from America. I'm from a weird little place called uh, England, which you may have heard of. Um, it's pretty famous for being wet and miserable, and for one very old lady called Elizabeth, who lives in a very, very large house. Um, yes, I've published uh, 12 books in the UK, um, mostly picture books, some of them are behind me here. Um, I think four are out in the States, so you may have seen a couple of them. Uh, but the ones most relevant to today are I Really Want My Cake, this one here, um, which is the first in the series, actually. The second one's I Really Want to Win, and the third one is I Really Want to Shout. Um, and they're illustrated by Lucia Gagliotti, who's very talented, very funny. Um, and yeah, I'll speak a bit more about those later. Um, and I've got a cat as well who may, who may come in and pop on, up onto my desk. Uh, okay, yeah, she's, so she's really what we're doing today is called Peace and Pets. <laughs> Peace and Pets, excellent. And Sarah, you're joining us, hello, you're next. Oh, uh-oh, we can't hear you, Sarah. Yes, I can hear you now. Yes. Like clear or no? Yeah, you're good. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so I was rushing back from Expo 2020, which is this like huge exhibition thing in Dubai. Um, yeah, anyway, so I made it. I'm glad. <laughs> um, and I've written, this is my second book. So my second book is The Extraordinary Cause, uh, published in the States. I live in Dubai. Um, and I just, I wrote it when we were under lockdown, crazy times. Uh, I have three kids, so it was like homeschooling, freelance writing, um, copy editing, but also my husband doing conference calls on the balcony and just all this chaos. Um, and I really felt like there was more to the pandemic than wash your hands. So we kind of wrote this, it's amazing illustrations, kind of, um, giving people a bigger takeaway from the pandemic. Sorry, I was muted. Fantastic. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your book. Oh, thank you so much. And um, in your experiences as well, um, writing from Dubai yeah. and being published here in the States. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very sure. cool. Thanks so for having Absolutely, Sarah. Thank you. I'm so glad you could make it. And you know, we are just thrilled to be able to host something like this where classrooms can tune in and be connected with creatives. Um, I just had a, a meeting with our interns here at Cardinal Rule Press and our graphic designer uh, gave a webinar about her work here at Cardinal Rule Press. And it's just really cool to see someone who gets to use their passion and their purpose yeah. in uh, their their work every single day. So Maggie, our graphic designer, you know, she used to make dog collars um, with her sewing machine. And she's always just been so creative. She makes these calendars and she's able to work on our picture books and on our, our website and our design. And that's what I love about in, interviewing authors is they get to live out their dream every single day. Um, yeah. And not only their dream in writing, but their dream in making a difference. So let's go ahead and begin. Um, let's- Can I just I interrupt? Yes. yes. I feel like I answered the wrong question. So I feel like the question wasn't about books. It was more about like who you are. And I'm like, this is my book. That's okay. So, oh, That's okay. okay. But, I'm like, I think I failed. So, no, you did. No, oh, okay. 
<laughs> you did not. Okay. So that was like, I have this whole like mixture of a background, but I didn't even touch on that, but it's okay. Well, tell so us. Somebody okay. asked no, tell us a little bit about your background and what, and that was like the next question is to go into your inspiration yeah. for writing. So we'd love to hear what inspired you to write. Um, like to go first? Yeah, go yeah. ahead, Sarah. Okay, so I'm Lebanese-Palestinian, but I grew up in Saudi Arabia and London and New York. So really all over, spent summers in France, honestly, honestly, all over but that kind of made me who I am. And my first book uh, was about, was called Finding the Magic in Mommyhood, right here. Uh, but it's about magic, Ooh, magic, as in you create your own magic. And my daughter had hip dysplasia. Uh, thank God it was totally a fixable problem. But I think a lot of what I write stems from just, it's almost therapeutic. So it's usually a problem like lockdown, or hip dysplasia that I have to deal with in some way. And writing, I'm sure, as we all know, is so therapeutic. And then it just turns into something. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, I can make a personal connection. My, my daughter also had hip dysplasia. And no way. I'll, I'll never forget, she was in um, a full yeah. body brace. Yeah. And we were at a park for a, like a music in the park event. And someone came up to me and asked me, what is wrong with your child? Mm -hmm. And I had the first experience of like empathy and really being able yeah. to understand families who have children with different abilities and how that feels. Um, yeah. And, and sorry to interrupt, but hip dysplasia is temporary. And so you have to understand. And also the reaction I got in Dubai was, oh my God, did you drop her? And I was like, no, I didn't. She's training for the Olympics. Obviously she wasn't, but that again, it was my coping mechanism. So, yeah. 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 So being able to take your personal experiences and put them into books. What about you, Simon? Yeah. What inspired you to start writing? I, have you always been a writer or tell us um, your journey? Yeah, I've, I've kind of always been a writer in my spare time. Um, used to keep diaries as a child and write silly poems and stories about my friends. Uh, but it never really occurred to me that being an author was an actual job that you could get paid for writing stories. Um, so I never really knew what I wanted to do. But in the end, I trained to be a primary school teacher or elementary school teacher, you might know it. Um, but didn't quite work out. But that's what got me back into children's literature. And then I thought I'd have a go at writing my own stories. And it kind of went from there. Um, and I did have a part time job up until... Uh, the end of August this year, but I've now given it up and I write full time, which is a little bit scary, but it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I do see a lot of teachers move into writing and I think it's because they spend so much time with children. They see what is needed in books um, like Claire. I'll have you go next, Claire, because mm -hmm. you spent a lot of time in education. But what I, really inspires you? And you know what? I also think I never lost touch with what it was like to be a child and, and to come in last or to be left out or different things. And I, and then I think I've, you know, went into teaching with young children and I have a lot of empathy for what they're going through and as they're making friends and as they're, as they're adjusting. And um, it's interesting when you talk about the hip dysplasia, um, my daughter had a cleft palate. And so that was another thing. And thankfully very, very fixable but you know it is those things that you you deal with and um then you started having a lot more empathy for other children and families but 
Yes, I think I was inspired to write because first of all, I love children's books, but I also, like you said, see areas where there's there's a need for um, different titles and different stories. And my, my books are very child-centric, so. Excellent, and Melissa, what about you? Right. Well, I was I was inspired to write uh, Planting Friendship, Peace, Salam, Shalom for several reasons. Um, first, I wrote it with two other women authors of, you know, two different of uh, religious uh, faith traditions. So together, really, really wanted to write stories where we saw representation and we felt like these would really this would really be the book that we wanted to read when we were growing up. Um, and we also really wanted to celebrate differences and similarities as we've all been talking about and to show children and um, readers that differences can be celebrated and hopefully bring a little bit more kindness and understanding to the world. And with this particular book, I really hope that readers can connect with the idea that we should all be proud of our unique heritages and celebrate those heritage. But like at the same time, like the three girls in the story who are of the same faith traditions, Jewish, Muslim, and Christian as we authors, we also show want to show that we have to appreciate the beauty in other people's cultures as well. And we really wanted to bring out themes of understanding and empathy and friendship. And we felt like, you know, one by one, if we can show girls of three different faith traditions becoming friends by planting, doing a planting project in their school, um, we can show that kids can make a difference and anyone can, with a little empathy, you know, anyone can form a friendship. And friendship is really the beginning and the kernel of peace. So that's, uh, that's where oh, we start. And then with Sadie Shabbat stories, I used my own family heritage and my own family stories and kind of was inspired by um, the people in whom my family who shared their stories even during difficult situations and they kind of gathered up their courage to share their stories and when I go into schools and do school visits I love telling children that you know you can use your voice whether you have a loud voice or a soft voice or a big personality or a small personality your voice is unique to you and you can really use that voice to make a difference in the world in lots of different ways and, and telling stories is the way that I hopefully try to make a difference and um, just about dedications I I dedicated say Shabbat stories to all my relatives and ancestors who came before me and told their stories and for planting friendship um, I dedicated the book to my mom who is a lifelong teacher and learner and we were talking about teachers and I think she really taught me how to have empathy how to try to make a difference in the world um, and hopefully work for peace oh, shout out to all those teachers out there I have to see a picture of these three girls can you share with our audience um, a page from that book that you really enjoy planting friendship yes of course thank you and then I, you can also share one um, from your other book too one of my favorite, oh, and there's my dog. One of my favorite pages is this page where the three girls, Hannah, Molly, and Severa, are starting on the very first day of kindergarten. And I hope you can see they have three necklaces that their families gave to them, a cross, a Jewish star, and um, a verse from the Quran. And so they start kindergarten and they're really nervous on the first day of kindergarten. And they recognize in each other that they each have these necklaces that their family had given them to hopefully bring some peace, uh, salam, shalom, some peace and comfort to them on an individual basis. Beautiful. And, and then here they are again. And they so they see and they recognize these necklaces and it helps ease their them on the first day of school. 
Um, and then through this planting project, I'll just show you a scene of the planting because I just love these illustrations by Kate Talbot. Here they are planting, and we named the teacher Miss Bloom as kind of an obvious nod to Judy Bloom, who we love. So through the planting project, they really get to know each other and understand each other. And I think like by doing an act of creation and nurturing plants, um, they became friends. And our tagline is kind of, as their plants bloomed, their friendship blossomed. And it's oh. just a nice metaphor for growing friendship and growing peace. And then later they plant the plants in Peace Park. I'll just show you that last illustration. So Melissa, the, you're wearing a necklace. I normally have a necklace on, but anyone in the audience wearing a necklace, um, through my training working with kids, um, I have learned many self-soothing strategies. And one way that we can regulate our feelings, if we're feeling anxious or really sad or really angry, is if you have a necklace on, you can rub your necklace. So that's another sign of peace is being able to calm yourself down or you can pull on your ear and rub your ear. So I just thought, oh, that's so cool. It's a story about peace. They're wearing those necklaces, which can be used in many different ways. Exactly, I love that. And I, and I like how you know the families gave them their necklaces to offer them peace and then they kind of expanded and brought peace to their world. And here they are planting in Peace Park and we represented a mosque, a church, and a synagogue also just to have all faiths re, you know, represented because we all just felt like that's important. And the more we know about each other and celebrate each other, the similarities and the differences, the more we hopefully understand each other and bring peace to the world. Oh, wow, wow, fantastic. Yeah. I'm like blown away and I'm, I gotta get back on track. So we're talking about inspiration, we're talking about peace. So I, how about let's get some pictures. Let's let's pull out your books and let's show the audience an illustration of peace from one of your books and kind of talk about, you know, talk about that page and what it represents. Um, Simon, Claire, Sarah, whoever has their page up first. <laughs> oh, I'll go. Okay. In this, in this story about a little girl who is very, very competitive. And this is by Alicia Tiva, who is in um, Spain. She's a Spanish illustrator. So you can see this child is just very intense about everything that she wants to do. But she has a choice to make because she's finally winning against her friends. And she comes across a little teeny bird. And so can she jump over it? Or should she save the bird? And of course, she decides to save the bird, which goes back to its mama. So she loses the race, but in this, she finds out that there's more than one way to win. And, and so it's a book about friendship and priorities and realizing that you don't need to be the center of everything. So anyway. I love that. And, and I think when we're talking about sportsmanship, there's a lot to be said about winning and losing and being a good sport and how that focus on winning can really create um, arguments and it can create that animosity and that competition. Simon, were you ready to share? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, so I also wrote a book, which is mostly about competitiveness, but um, uh, I'll talk about this one instead, uh, which is I really want to shout. And this series about the little girl behind me is all about her sort of struggles with her emotions and, um, her struggle to find peace within herself. And you know, I really want to shout, she's feeling very angry and frustrated and we see all the different things that, uh, oh, my cat's just turned up, um, all the different things that wind her up, but we also see how she eventually, with the help of her friends and family, um, finds a few ways to cope when she feels like that. So um, this is towards the end of the book where one of the things she's 
learned to do is to um, slow her breathing down and focus on that when she's feeling really angry and uh, a bit frustrated. She sometimes falls asleep as well. And obviously you can't <laughs> chat when you're asleep, so that helps. Um, so yeah, there's, there's various different techniques in there. That's a nice image as well from Lucia as well, um, which I hope readers will be able to take away and use themselves when they're not feeling the best and feeling a bit angry as well. Do you yeah. do deep breathing when you're feeling angry? I do, yeah. Yeah, it always helps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you fall asleep and then you forget about Sometimes. it. Sometimes. <laughs> it's not always ideal, is it? But uh, yeah. Thank you, Simon. How about you, Sarah? Can you show us a couple pages from Pause? Let's get you off mute. Okay. Yeah, there we go. So um, so it's called The Extraordinary Pause, but I really think it's about coming to peace with what we went through, um, just being okay with it. And again, the takeaways being more than like wash your hands and more about the fact that there is no, it's one of my favorite Rumi quotes, which is there is no darkness there is no light without darkness so you have to go through the dark bits in order to realize the i mean not to simplify it too much but in order to realize the silver lining behind any situation uh i think this is one of my favorite pages for sure again birds like claire was talking about birds are are just a great uh symbol of you know rebirth beginning and then there's the grandfather who you know, everybody went through this notion of not being able to touch or kiss or hug. But um, so the book not details that, but the book mentions those parts of COVID and almost in a way to say, you know what, but on the other side, we came out and we realized that it's all about moments, that it's all about pausing, breathing, focusing on the light, because in every single dark corner of life, of day-to-day -day living, of everything, no matter what the situation is, there's light. There's some element of light to be found. I think that's wonderful. And, and we actually, um, to celebrate the holidays at Cardinal Rule Press, we put together these activities for kids to learn about different holidays that use lights as celebrations. Because when we talk yeah, about- Diwali. Yeah, when we talk about diversity, Melissa, yeah. and different celebrations, if you mm -hmm. take five holidays and you you recognize that light is part of all those holidays, um, yeah, commonality. So thank you, thank you so much, Sarah. Now this next part is really fun for classrooms. And again, um, Melissa, I was telling the group um, we have a lot of people who watch the replay, so the replay will be available for a couple of days for classrooms. Um, so this is exciting for kiddos to listen to your advice to share a little bit about your process. Um, so tell us, what would you like kids to know about either your job as a writer, your writing process, maybe who you were as a child? Um, for example, I know myself as a child, I wasn't a very good test taker. It did not make me unsuccessful as a grown up. Um, but you know, what is it about you as a writer? I know Simon, you mentioned diaries. I used to love to write in my diary. Um, so go ahead and share something. Everyone share a little something about themselves as a writer or your process. Um, and last but not least, I will tell you, uh, there was an author I once interviewed who wanted to share a, a unique aspect of her writing. And that was, she listened to rock and roll music while she wrote. Hmm. 
and she listened to it really, really loud. Loud. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That. Um, Wendy, and I'm going to have to think of her last name off the top of my head. Wendy, who also lives on a farm. I will put it in the chat. But who would like to share? Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to start. So... I live in New York City and I usually write when my 16-year-old daughter is in school and my writing space is basically here in my living room. I have a desk, but I never actually sit at my desk. I just sit at the counter and I write in bits and pieces. And I, what I love doing is also gathering ideas. So I love taking walks outside and um, kids who are listening to this, you can know that ideas for stories are everywhere around you. If your teacher asks you to come up with a story idea and you don't know what to write with, maybe take a little notebook outside with you and jot down some ideas. Maybe you hear people talking in a playground. Maybe you see signs. Maybe you're in a museum. I've, I've gotten ideas for one of my books, um, Scarlet's Magic Paintbrush, when I was looking at um, a a painting in the Metropolitan Museum of Art where I live and I was thinking about how to be a great writer and thinking about wow I wish I had a magic paintbrush just like that artist and that's what I wrote about so ideas are all around us and I usually jot them down in a little notebook um, if I'm not writing I'm reading so I read lots of books lots of picture books uh, mostly some chapter books. I just love to read because I love to see all the different kinds of books that are out there. And when I was a little child, I loved telling, um, I loved listening to stories. And my parents and my grandmother, my Nana, were my earliest storytellers. So I'm sure that many of the students on um, here listening love to either read or listen to stories. And um, when I'm not writing or reading, I just love hanging out with my family, my friends, and just doing other creative things like painting um, or active things like bird watching. I just love to be outside and of course um, spending time with kids. I love doing school visits because I love hearing what students are thinking about. That's that's People often ask me what's one of the most fun things about being an author and I think that's one of the most fun things is going to classes and Aww. talking to students and hearing what they say and just um, seeing them smile when I read. So, so that's one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I know if I were to ask everyone on the panel um, to pull out a notebook, I bet everyone could like reach around. Oh them. my God, that's, that's actually <laughs> such a good question. Like hold up your notebook and then I'm sure it says so much about your style as a writer and a person maybe. <laughs> you know, and we were talking about this in a meeting earlier. Um, Nowadays, they have Google Sheets and Google Documents, but I have to always put it on piece of paper first. So That's everyone so has their unique style, yes. All right, who would like to share um, some inspiration or uh, some writing process details next? Can I, can I just say, first of all, I'll go next. But uh, my husband works in finance, so he's an Excel guy. Everything is on Excel, and that gives me anxiety because I'll show you my notebook. And he's like, what century are you living in? Write it down. Just write it down. And I just can't. It's just, it's, it, I know it's a lot. The sticky notes. Seen, it's awesome. Yes, yes. And if you've seen A Beautiful Mind, that, I forget the actor's name, that movie where the guy's like jotting stuff down and arrows and whatever, that's what my husband said. It's like, yeah, yeah, Russell Crowe. That's right. My husband walks into my office or in through the front door and is like, what's happening? <laughs> um, but that's a testament to my writing style. I guess how I get in the groove of things because I don't believe you need to be like sitting down in the perfect place 
with the perfect temperature, with the perfect music, with the per like, it's on the contrary for me. I write the best when I'm, I guess, like Melissa was saying, when I'm when I've overheard a conversation, I'm like, oh, I need a, I need an applicant. Let me just jot it down and let me just, you know, and I'll write down like three words to jog my memory about whatever I was inspired by. Um, but I also always say that you have to vomit first, which basically means just get everything out. Don't worry about punctuation or like, does this make sense? Why am I writing this? Where is this going? Just get it out. Get it out and then you can edit it, fix it, decide um, what you want to do with it or even, you know, disregard it. I like that. We call it a brain dump. Just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I call it vomit. Sorry. I've, just, I've been pregnant what? like three years in a, in a row. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, I'm like, yeah. let's just call it vomit. It's, it's still yeah. pregnancy brain. <laughs> Claire or Simon? Simon, you can go. Simon. Oh, here, I'll go. I'm not muted. Um, I am like the others that find inspiration all around. As a child, I was not athletic. My favorite places were the library and the bookstore. We had this amazing bookstore. And believe it or not, my mother would always give me gift certificates. And I had, because our library wouldn't carry things like Nancy Drew for some reason. I do not know why. And so I, I would get all the books from there. And then, um, but I, I always have a little note cards and pencil in my pocket. I have it in the car next to me, you know, so I always have things where I'm constantly jotting down. In fact, my first thing I ever sold was a Rebus story to Highlights Magazine that I wrote when I was at, sitting outside at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's this incredible place with fish and sea otters and birds. Anyway, so I, um, I find a lot of inspiration around. I've traveled a lot. I was on, two of my children were born in um, Korea and I've been on an international child welfare organization. So I've traveled all over the world. And I always took one of my children, I have four, I always took one of them with me so that they could see these different, different places. So folk tales and mythology and fairy tales have really been a part of my life always. So, you know, that the structure of stories and um, I just believe in the power of story and, and I just like to get them down on paper. So I don't know. I, like you all said, inspiration is absolutely everywhere, including from other books. Mm -hmm. Now, Simon, you've written a lot of books in Okay, you didn't give us the timeline uh, as far as years, but based on what you told us, I'm thinking your 10 books have come out in a short period of time. Do you know the, the time span? Yeah, roughly. Um, so I started write or trying to write books probably um, May 2013, but I mean, my first book was taken on April 2014, I think. But the first one was published in the summer of 2016, and then I've had 12, uh, 11 more published since then. That's, so yeah, quite that's, quickly, which is nice. That's quickly. That's a lot you know, of books in a short period of time. Yeah, although obviously there's there's normally like two, two and a half years between you signing a contract and the book coming out, so it doesn't always feel so quick. But um, yeah, they've added up quite quickly, which is nice. But so I totally tell agree us with, what's, what's happening with your process. I mean, what does a day look like for a full-time uh, writer? I try to keep 
to like a normal working week, so Monday to Friday, but I must admit, I don't write every day because I think as a writer, you learn pretty quickly um, and you can sense if you're not gonna have a particularly productive day or you're not quite in the right headspace for it. And I think often, sometimes you do need to force yourself to sit there and battle through it, but also going and doing something completely different often really helps. And uh, ideas pop into your head when you're, I don't know, washing up or making a cup of coffee or something. It's very weird how, how effectively that works. Um, but yeah, I try, I normally work best in the morning. So I'll be at my desk at a reasonable time. And then after about half four or five in the afternoon, my brain just shuts down, I think. So, um, yeah, I've learned from experience that, uh, quality is much better than quantity for me. So if I do a few really focused hours and really concentrate, I'll often be more productive. And if I sit at my desk all day, uh, yeah, trying to come up with stuff. So I think that's really yeah, I know. I think that's wise. And I think it's important for kids to hear you are writing every day in the classroom. And um, the reason your teachers usually have you list out ideas is because you're forced to write at a certain time. So if you run out of ideas, well, you've already done the work and you've listed some out there. Um, but I like that. And I think, Simon, it's important for people to know that the, a day in the life of a writer looks different every single day. So you yeah. might actually spend a Saturday writing a story if that's when inspiration comes to you. Yeah. And you'll often have to change what you're doing based on the emails you receive and things. I got one uh, from an editor today who uh, I think I'd meant to respond to or I hadn't received her email because she seemed like I should have You've been waiting for a response, but um, yeah, I had to change what I was doing and get on with that quite quickly, but it keeps it interesting, so. Yes, yeah. and you know, um, creative individuals, um, as Sarah had mentioned, creative individuals, sometimes, uh, you know, we are using different parts of our brain. So Sarah, you know, has her calendar in a notebook and her husband does it on the computer. So sometimes it can be challenging for writers to keep up with the emails and the documents that we need to be turning in because our brain just doesn't exactly work that way. So there can be challenges as well. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I have been so thankful to have you here um, and oops, to be able to share. Oh, hold on. We have a question. Um, I wasn't sure if we would have questions. Oh, somebody is saying that they also struggle with the organizational issues of being a writer. So they're just saying that they're out there with you saying, yes, that is a hard part of being a writer. Um, but if you have anything else you'd like to say before we head out today to the classrooms tuning in or the writers tuning in, now is your chance for last minute comments. I just say that because I use sticky notes and post-its and that sort of thing that when I do get the emails, I do respond. But I feel like if I leave it an hour or a day, it's just not going to happen. And then I'm like, oh, what round of edits was this? And they're like, oh, we sent it a week ago. So I have to be able to respond right away. It just has to be like a rapid, rapid response. So you're not one of the people with 10,000 emails. No, I can't. It gives me anxiety. I can't because I need, like, even though my desk is, I'm glad you can't see it, it's all posted. <laughs> and I have three kids and they're super close in age and it's like activities played a million things life but I feel like the writing process just you know I have to carve out a bit of time in whatever format fantastic and it looks different for everyone and it doesn't have to look the same for everyone 
Um, yeah. And I think as we sign out, um, any, I, I this will be a better um, way for us to sign out because we're talking World Peace Day. Why don't we sign out? What is something that you're going to do in the next how many weeks do we have? Six weeks-ish till the end of the year. What is one way that you're going to practice peace between now and the new year? Well, I guess I, I could start. One thing that I just wanted to mention is um, I, I'm hoping that our book opens a dialogue between in families, in schools, and libraries, between adults and kids on what peace looks like and what you can do in your home or in your classroom or in your community to encourage peace. And one thing that I do with my family um, is in the Jewish religion, we practice tikkun olam, which means performing um, acts of kindness to help repair the world. So as a family, and especially, especially now with the holidays coming up, we try to do even small acts of kindness, like we might work with our synagogue to uh, make sandwiches for a local food bank, or we might clean up um, a local park like Central Park. And I always tell kids that they, even if they're small, they can do a small act of kindness to help repair the world. And I think that all those little kindnesses to each other, to our friends, to animals, you know, to, to the world, all those little things really add up and, and equal a big piece and a, and a big empathy and big kindness among us. And even, even the littlest kids can, can do something. So that's just the message that I wanna leave everyone with is just do something in these next week, days, weeks, months um, to leave the world a little bit of a better place. That's beautiful. And I know one of the things that we'll be doing in our household is I I recently bought some blank cards and envelopes. And so the children, my ch three children will be decorating the cards and we'll be writing handwritten notes to family members that we care about and sending them in the mail to create a sense of peace and loving and kindness um, with handwritten notes. Because I still believe in the art of letter writing. Anyone else on how you're going to practice peace? I will. I, um, I am a book person and I have my own little free library and I've been um, building a library in Nicaragua where um, one of my daughters lives and she's coming home for Christmas with her family so I will send more books back. I'm also involved in an organization called Reforma which uh, works with the literacy of you know, needs of, of our Spanish speaking population, which is quite large here in Central California. So we have all sorts of activities and books and things. So we will be promoting and I, I your, you know, books on peace and friendship and bridging, uh, crossing bridges, building bridges. So yeah. that's what I will be doing in the next couple months. Beautiful, thank you for sharing. Simon or Sarah? I think I'd, uh, oh, sorry, well, go ahead. Melissa said and that it all just boils down to being kind, really, doesn't it? And I think um, never has the world needed more kindness than at the moment. Um, and I think being kind to just be as simple as treating other people as you'd like to be treated. Uh, smiling at people, smile goes a long way. You might not always get one back, but um, it might make someone's day to receive a smile. So we're trying to smile at people. Yeah. A simple <laughs> smile doesn't cost any money. Thank you, Simon. That's right. I think I think we overcomplicate things, and I think teaching my three kids it's it's super important. I'm living in such a cosmopolitan city that I mean, there's Muslims, there's Jews, there's Christians, there's Indians, there's so many nationalities that it's easy to judge. It's easy not to be nice and. A, by the same token, it's easy to be nice. And I think 
treating, I, I think teaching them that rather than, um, than anything else is so important. And that's something that really will stick with them forever. That it doesn't matter what religion you are, what language you speak, what you look like, what skin you are, those, these basic things that were taught that somewhere along the line, like Simon said, we've forgotten. And we need it now more than ever. Fantastic. All right, everyone, let's go ahead and give a good, big goodbye, wave goodbye. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much for tuning in. We appreciate you and happy World Peace Day. Happy World Peace Day. Thank you so much for us. Yes, thank you. Bye. Cardinal Rule Press offers a variety of support to authors, booksellers, librarians, and families. Find out more at cardinalrulepress.com.